Uh, they're going to tell us about this thing called, uh, there you go, Medela Christmas Families. Good morning. Good morning. We have a great opportunity we're excited about inviting you to join us in. Um, the LV family, all of us, have um, adopted 10 Medela Elementary School families. Um, they have been chosen by the staff, the um, principal and vice principal at Medela. And we get a chance to bring them Christmas. And they probably wouldn't have Christmas without our help. So um, we are going old school. And um, we, <laughs> Vanna here, no, um, we have made it as simple um, as we can for you. So we're just going to go over. So you, you, you may have questions later, but we'll be in the back afterwards. Um, we have lists in the back of uh, the families they're with their wish list. They've been given a wish list, and they've written a little information about themselves on it and then what they would like for Christmas. Um, first, you go back and you choose. You can choose an individual. You can choose a family. You can choose one with another LV family if you want to team up with um, I think there's a couple that might have bikes on there. If you want to ask someone else, will you go with me and we can, you know, purchase a bike or whatever, um, you can do it that way. Um, back there on the list, some of them have hearts stamped on them. Just to let you know, the ones that have the hearts on them are already taken. But um, next, we need you to... We don't want any child left behind, so we want to make sure that you sign up for them and we give you the proper information. We'll give you a list, their wish list, and a box. And on the box, every box has a code on it. And that code will give you, you're not going to know the name of the person. You're going to, they have a number at this code, and their wish list will... Coincide with the box. Then shop the wish list. It's very important. <laughs> the wish list. It's fun, yes. Very fun. But if you were a kid and you asked for, you need socks or you want uh, something like that, whatever is on there, please shop the list first. Okay. Um, and if you want to add to it, great, okay? Uh, I was reading some of the wish lists, and um, there, are some, <laughs> there are some requests on there. I was like, who is Jojo Siwa? What are LOL dolls or LOLs? I know, laugh out loud. I know they're not wanting to laugh, right? Uh, Beyblades, okay. So if there's something on your list and you don't know what it is, um, internet, Target, Walmart, or you can call and ask, okay? Because we want to make sure that if they ask, what's that? Don't ask, don't ask. 
Well, I only know because I looked it up. So, um, and there was something else with that one, right? Um, the wish list. Return, of course. Return it in the box. Everything labeled by 12-8. Return it to Connie's office. Hang on just a sec. Um, unwrapped. Unwrapped. I remember what I forgot. If on, on the information about the child, if they've asked for a Barbie, and on there it says they're black or Hispanic, could you get a brown Barbie, please? Just saying. Um, yes, return them unwrapped in the box. If it doesn't fit in the box, obviously a bike is not going to fit in the box, please put a tag on it and label the number, the, their code number on it, please, and return it. Yes. A lock and a chain. That, yeah. Yeah, a great idea. Um, you know what else would be really special? Are you going to, what? I can't hear you. Oh, the money too. Um, before I, don't let me forget that. Um, is if you do a handwritten note to them, you may not know their name, but God knows their name. And, um. So I think that would be really special. And yes, if you feel like you can't shop, but you really want to participate, you can give money towards it, and you can do that online, or you could do it back in um, in the little church things, but market Medela Christmas families. Okay? Yes. Yes. Um, all right. Let's. Yes, please get everything on the list. Wish list is important. Um, we just want to bless their socks off. We want to give them a special Christmas. And, uh, and please, when you do bring it in, make sure it's marked. Make sure it's in the right box. That's so important for it to be in the right box when you bring it in. It would make me very happy. <laughs> Angry elf. <laughs> I've seen it before. And it ain't pretty, all right? So you guys could not ruin my day as well. Um, so here is uh, the deal with that. Katie, you said it so nice. I'm going to say it um, nice as well. Shop the list. Shop the list, okay? If you want to get beyond the list, shop the list first. Shop the list, people, okay? I don't know how else to say this. It's inevitable that, that oh, yeah, okay, uh, Star Wars. They didn't want Star Wars. They wanted a Barbie, and you got them a thousand-piece Lego set. You spent a lot of money, but you spent it on the wrong thing, okay? So shop the list first, then throw in um, the X-Wing. Okay, so the deal is this, all right? We have a little bit of a different thing. First of all, I just want to say thank you to Katie for organizing this. You don't have to do this. You've got laid it on your heart, and you're doing it, so thank you, and thank you to Tina. It's huge that you guys are doing this, all right? 
And so uh, we're going to do things a little bit different today. I'm going to invite uh, Travis and Julie up to uh, come be with us here. And so come on. All right, so if you guys uh, don't know, uh, well, you're about to know, because we're about to introduce, so things are going to be a little bit different today. Um, we're going to be asking some questions. Uh, this is uh, Travis and Julie Bernard, uh, and they are returning to us from Kenya, and so I would just love to hear a little bit, um, like, what was your deal? Like, what did you do while you were there? How long were you there? Who are you? Um, we can start more recent than birth. Um, but, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, so, yeah, my name is Travis, and this is my wife, Julie. Um, we are both nurses, and we just spent the past about eight months or so uh, in southern Kenya um, working in a bush clinic there, so kind of like out in the middle of nowhere is what I mean by bush clinic. Um, we were there with New Frontiers Health Force. It's a mission organization, um, and Dr. Tanya and Reverend Linda, and we refer to them as um, Mama Linda and Mama Doctari. So if we say the mamas, we're referring to Dr. Tanya and Reverend Linda, um, but that's just what they call them there, so that's the mamas. Um, and, yeah, we spent a lot of our time working in the clinic that Dr. Tanya's built there and helping out in uh, Linda's Kids Academy. It's a primary school, and just helping out in the community but we're going to go a little deeper into that. Yeah. So you guys were there uh, eight, nine months of your lives. And um, what did it, what I really want to get to is like, what did it sound like, feel like um, to be called to this, right? What did that, how did that process work out? What did that look like? I think it's, um, since everyone is called differently, like Travis and I were each called differently, but I think it's important that we were both called. Um, so it wasn't just me called and us going or him called. It was both of us being called. Um, but it was kind of, it started out as a desire. Um, I had been two times prior to this specific um, village in Africa, and I I just loved it there. And I loved the people there, and um, so it started out as a desire, and then it kind of grew from that to where I I wanted to go back. I didn't really know, like, when or why or um, anything like that, and then we were down there together, um, like, two years ago um, for 10 weeks, and we both kind of felt like we were supposed to come back for a longer time, and we didn't really we hadn't talked about it. We kind of just went together and we're like, hey, we want to do this. And we're like, what? And we're like, I want to do that too. Like, um, and so we prayed about it and then we went to the mamas and they had kept saying that they wanted someone to come down and help them out um, for longer term. And we're like, hey, would you, you know, what about us? Like, would you guys want us to come down? And they're like, yeah. And so we kept asking them questions and praying about it. And it kind of just all fell into place. And um, I think 
another important thing for us too was all of the concerns that people had for us going down for that long. Um, so there's, you know, you know, it's not, it might not be smart for you guys. Like you guys are just married. Um, how long have you been married when, when you took off? Uh, five months. Something like that. Five months. Uh, yeah. Seven. So probably not, not in the, uh, in the marriage protocol. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But go ahead. Yeah. I mean, so what did that So going that there, like? first married, away from family and a support system, and um, quitting our new jobs that we just started our careers in as nurses, um, and then not making, like, it's not financially wise to do this. Um, and so we had all of those concerns thrown at us from people, but not that it didn't matter, but it it didn't stop us. Like it, it, nothing that came out as concern-wise did we think, yeah, we can't overcome that. Yeah, we can't do that. So I think that's another reason why we were, or feel like we were called to. So I want to explore then, like, let's dig a little bit deeper into that. Um, these people who love you, care for you, you know, I mean, they're probably giving you advice, you know, that they thought was great. And it might have been great. Right, um, but what does that what does that look like though? When how do you handle that? You know you're called to go. Called you have a feeling that God is telling you this is what you're supposed to do. All right, it's not like hey guys, hello, go to camp. Okay, um, how did you handle that when these people who you trust and love are giving you uh, this advice? Well, like you said, they they were only people coming at us with concerns because they loved us and because they were concerned for us. Um, so one, we didn't want to just ignore those concerns because they're very valid concerns. Um, so we sat with them, we prayed about it and we would sit with them. Um, like his parents had a huge concerns. His dad's a financial planner. So he was very like financial minded of like, you have to save for this and you have to have this amount of money and all this stuff. Um, and so we sat with him and just laid out our hearts and, and why we think that um, it won't, it wouldn't put us behind that far and different things. So we kind of tried to, um, we validated their concerns, but we also said like, you know, this is what we feel like we need to do. Um, right. So that's what we did. So you approach it with humility rather than like, hey, forget you and your concerns. Well, they love you. We're so. doing what we're going to do. <laughs> Back yeah. off. Yeah. That's not the way to go about no. it. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. So you guys are going to share with us a little bit about what went on there. What did, the, what did your daily routine, weekly routine, surprises and these things? And I guess we get, we're going to be able to look at some of those. Some pictures, yeah. Yeah. So, um, since we are nurses, we focused, or we were working mostly in the clinic there that they have there. So a typical week, um, Mondays, we're our, our mobile clinic days. So we go to different villages, the surrounding villages, um, to give them baby immunizations and prenatal care because a lot of times they can't make it to the clinic because they would have to walk so far to get there um, for their like weekly um, stuff. So this is one of the city uh, well, villages that we went to a lot. Um, so we actually partnered with um, some of 
like pastors and, and people that had buildings that we could use. Um, so we would set up in, um, in Kineji here. Um, and this is Travis giving an immunization to a baby. I preferred to love on them first and be like, this is going to be Travis's fault while you're crying. Because I, you know, wow. <laughs> I made wow. sure to let the baby know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I did a couple times. <laughs> but I, I didn't like um, making them cry. Um, I did it sometimes, though, if I had to. But I liked taking pictures. This is my favorite one. Um, you can just see the fear in, in the face. Um, I did a lot of um, the prenatal care. So when the new moms them would come, we would do, you know, blood work on them and um, urine tests and stuff. So that's me um, doing that there. And then we would, um, you know, see how far along they are because oftentimes they have no idea. Um, and we would check the positioning of the baby, make sure that they're, you know, they're growing properly. And then we would let them hear the heart rate, um, heartbeat, which they enjoyed. So that's me doing it. Um, she's not very far along though. Um, and then, so that was Mondays. So we would go to different um, villages um, around the uh, compound or, or um, Goswani, which is the village we were in. Um, and then Tuesdays were at the clinic. We did the prenatal care. Um, Wednesdays was baby cry day, which we did immunizations at the clinic. Um, <laughs> And very, you could hear the babies crying from like all around. So, <laughs> and then um, Thursdays was a super busy day. It was market day in the village, so everyone from around would come. Um, and that's happened since they were already there. They would come to the clinic with all of their health concerns, and oftentimes it was stuff that should have been addressed way prior to them being there. Um, then there's the Thursday, but um, so that was always interesting. There were a lot of interesting cases. Um, and then Friday um, was another uh, prenatal day. So that was like a typical, like what was scheduled out. But people would come for traumas and deliveries at any point in time during the day and night. Um, so Why would they wait a week to do that? Um, because it's far to walk. Um, so when they're coming into market, they're selling their, their veggies and their cows and, well, and goats and stuff. So they were already there. So it was convenient. So they didn't have to walk twice. And with that also, there is a lot of, um, tribal medicine and rural medicine that goes on there. So sometimes, um, they can go to pretty much a pharmacy in some village where they there's a person there who has medicine that has no medical background that you show up and you say, my kid has a cough, and they give you some kind of medicine. You don't know what it is. Um, so then sometimes things like that would happen. The kid doesn't get better. It gets worse. gets worse. It would have been fine to take care of from the beginning. It would have been an easy fix, but now it's got to this point where it's a pretty serious thing going on. So then by the time they get to us, then the child's in way worse condition than they should have been if they would have just received proper treatment mm. to begin with. So sometimes it's just like a delay of care because of that's just culturally accepted, those little pharmacies and right. rural medicine, tribal medicine type things. Um, but, yeah, we had a lot of um, deliveries c come in. Um, it was it seemed like a couple a week um, that mamas would come in and deliver their babies with no pain medicine or anything like that. And then about an hour after the baby's delivered, they walk home. So 
that's pretty impressive, and I don't know how they do it, but... That is awesome. Yeah. Um, oh and so we always try and, uh, with the babies, give them their first bath and clean them off and give them their first set of new baby clothes and little hats and blankets and kind of get them started off going the right way and pray for them and just give them the best start to to their new life that we can. Um, so we spend a lot of time doing that all hours of the day and night, but that's not my favorite type of nursing, but it's definitely, um, there's a lot to be said for it. It's a pretty amazing experience. Um, my favorite is emergency medicine, so traumas and blood and all that good stuff. Um, so we had, uh, we had lots of different types of traumas come in that you wouldn't really think of having. Like this one is a young girl who was playing with a, it's a tool to make shoes to thread the, put the thread through. It's like a needle with a barb on the end. Um, and she got it stuck in her hand. But it was nice because now uh, New Frontiers, the clinic that we're at, has a portable x-ray machine. So we were able to do x-rays and check positioning. And um, we definitely use the x-ray machine a whole lot, which was amazing. And um, different traumas. This is a young boy who was playing soccer, and I think he was stepped on, and he broke both the bones in his lower leg. Um, so we were able to do x-rays, what we're doing here, and able to get it situated and splinted and refer him to a larger hospital because if the clinic had not been there, something like that probably would have been looked over. The kid probably would have been left to lay in bed for a while till it healed up, however it managed to heal, and then if he had a limp for the rest of his life or anything like that. That's just how it would have been. But we were able to um, get it set and then get him to see an orthopedic doctor. So just being able to provide that even intermediate level of care to patients, we weren't able to do everything, but we were able to um, see them and take care of a lot of things and refer them to the hospital when needed. So that was really an amazing experience. Another thing we did... Um was the school that was there. So we got to do um, a lot with the school. One of the things that we got to do was um, prep and um, do a new classroom because they started a new class. So this is the 20 faces of new students at Linda's Kids Academy. So they're up to about 100 now, um, which is amazing because the kids would not have received an education had Linda's Kids Academy not been there. Um, so they were all... Very excited um, to be able to get an education. And this class is the um, first class to have mostly females. So the majority of the, kid, the students in this um, class are females, which is very, yeah, very uncommon. Um, so that's us prepping the school. And then Travis slashing, which is like their lawnmower, which is just a machete. It? Yeah. And now this. I had the opportunity to um, draw out the names of all the students um, with, like, little art and um, get to take pictures of all the students that were there. Um, and that was a hardship. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it was so fun to be able to see all of the faces of the kids that were there and be able to um, to just see how happy they are to be getting an education, how much they respect um, 
their school and their uniform and their um, their backpack. Like they just respect and treat everything to such a high like standard because they're so excited to have the opportunity to go to school. It was really fun. Um, another thing we did was we played with them on um, their breaks at school. Um, and this one is we're playing lions and gazelles, which is very similar to, like, sharks and minnows. Um, but you have to run. The lions run and try and grab the flags off of the gazelles. Um, and this is Travis trying to have his fellow gazelle not have their flag pulled. <laughs> She's smiling, if you can't tell. She liked it. <laughs> she wasn't at first smiling. <laughs> she wasn't at first. No, she was like, oh, put me down. Yeah. <laughs> but then she had fun, so. Um, another thing we did um, there was the church that they had. Um, they had this addition built onto the church for the kids. So they got a kids' church, which is very uncommon there. They, The Kenyans didn't even know what that was. They um, didn't realize that you could that you could teach kids as well as the adults. Um, so we got to make it fun, and we painted some extra, and um, we made a little puppet stage on the side um, and actually hand-sewed those on there, me and Travis. Yes, Travis. Crafty. Yeah, learned how to do some buttonholes. <laughs> nice. So that's us. Um, we got to teach some in the kids church as well, so that was cool. Um, and another thing we really like to do is, uh, we like to spend time out in the community just playing with kids and interacting with people. So we would go out to the, the center of the village and just bring a soccer ball and just play with the kids and kick a soccer ball around and then do a Bible story with them with the picture story Bible. So they really enjoyed that. Anytime they saw us walking to the center of the village, they would all run around yelling Wazungu, which means white person. So they would all go tell each other that the white people are coming which pretty much means like we're going to go play soccer. So they would all come out and we'd play soccer and then do the Bible story. And you can see how much, um, this is after we did the Bible story, we just let them look at the book. And there's a couple of them that are in school so they can read it. And they were reading it to the other ones and just enjoying the pictures. And they would just flip to the next page and like touch the book. And just, they were, it was amazing to see even these young kids, how focused they were during the Bible stories and their their attention was just 100% on what was being said, and they really got it. You could understand that, um, like, if you asked them a question about the story, each of them could answer it, and it was just an amazing experience just to be able to hang out with the kids and, and play with them and love on them. And here's Julie playing with one. I was a very sweet kid. This little boy was amazing. Well, they all are. Um, but he would be the one that's screaming Wazungu, but he would, like, like flag everyone so if he saw other kids that were down the street he would like wave them over <laughs> like the um the directors on the like flights like he would Flight be deck, yeah. yeah like waving everyone down have you found have you tried that yet in lakewood no <laughs> they don't start screaming Lazunga when i walk through lakeland though, let so. me know when you're going to do that so. <laughs> okay so this is the other couple that we were down there with. Um, one of the things we had the opportunity to do was a marriage devotional um, with um, this couple as well as two Kenyan couples. Um, and it was very interesting cross-culturally to be a part of that and to hear um, like struggles that 
the Kenyan couples have are the same as the struggles that um, that we would have. And it was just cool to be able to get to know them better and to do that. Yeah. And it was, going off of that, it was just interesting, the same troubles that um, marriages have here is the same thing that they have there. Yeah, but um, I was just going to say one instance of that is one of the Kenyan couples we were with, actually the the one in the white shirt, that's Philip, and his wife were with us in marriage devotional. And Purity, his wife, was saying that Philip doesn't make the bed, and that's an issue for them. And Julie's like, Travis doesn't make the bed either. To which Philip responded, I will pray for you. (laughs) It's like, thank you, Philip. (laughs) But let me clarify, they prayed for each other to do that, and only Philip made the bed. Wow. Um, But anyways... Uh, this gentleman here in the red shirt, that it's Julius. He's a very, um, he's a leader in the community there, uh, one of the elders in the tribe, and very well respected. But uh, I just wanted to share one of the amazing medical stories that we had. Is Julius came into the clinic one day not feeling well. He was dizzy, his blood pressure was high, and he just wasn't acting like himself. His head was hurting. And his symptoms just kind of kept getting worse, and he wasn't acting like himself. And we were kind of wondering if he was having a stroke or something like that. So we were all very concerned and started praying for him, and his condition just kept getting worse and worse. So we ended up referring him to a hospital, and um, they did a CT scan and saw that he had bilateral subdural hematomas. So he was bleeding on both sides of his brain. And they wouldn't do surgery at that hospital, so he got driven to another hospital, and it was just this whole... Um, run around of trying to figure out who can help him as he just keeps getting worse. But it was just amazing how us and the entire community, once they found out, just rallied together in prayer. And through that, he was able to have surgery. Um, and this is him like two or three hours after after having open brain surgery, walking down the halls with Dr. Tanya. And he was almost like instantly healed after the surgery. He was himself again, laughing, having a great time, telling Dr. Tanya he didn't want to be in the hospital because there's sick people in there. He wants to go home. And this is just hours after, I mean, they literally cut pieces out of his skull and did surgery and put it back and all of that. So that was definitely just amazing to see what God will do when people pray Mm. and that prayers are answered. It's not just praying to some imaginary thing that, I mean, God still actively does miracles and things if we pray. So that was pretty amazing. I think um, in this picture, too, he's actually in front of church after he had, um, like, been cleared from the hospital and stuff to come home. And he's just talking about um, all that, you know, God has done for him and his testimony. And I don't, like... It's different here, but in Maasai culture, Maasai men do not cry. They do not um, show fear. They do not, they're strong. And and um, so during this, um, he got on his knees and started weeping and thanking God for um, his goodness and his mercy and um, for all that he's done for him. And it was beautiful. It was, um, everyone was like pretty much crying and and doing the same thing. So it was really cool. Yeah, and just to emphasize that, I mean, in this culture, Julius, this is a man that's killed three lions with spears, 
and I mean Philip's also killed a lion. That's a part of their coming into manhood. But it's it would be such a rarity to see them show any emotion like that, any pain. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ritual things they do just to show that they don't feel pain or things like that, burning themselves and all of this. But to see that man get up and lay on the ground at the front of the church and just weep and thank God mm. was such a powerful testimony. But Julie wanted to add that picture. <laughs> I added this picture <laughs> because that's um, five, five minutes into Travis's first time driving in Africa. We got a flat tire. So that's Travis um, yeah. fixing it. That is flat. That is very flat, yeah. Very flat. yeah. All right. And then the next. What do we got here? Oh, this. This is, this is actually not, I mean, it's what it looks like, but there are so many more stars that you can't see in this picture. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know the term twinkling stars until I went to Kenya, and they really, like, flicker, and it looks like they're, like, winking. Like, it's just so cool, and then you can see the galaxy um, like band and sometimes it's like different colors so sometimes it'll be like green or um, like a pinkish color and it's really really pretty it is amazing I've seen it too it's it's really cool and like any other picture this only does what 30 percent justice to what it really looks like so yeah so as you guys have come you've you went obviously during this time what um how were you transform like what is like something that you can look at and you can say yeah this is during that time this is how my life was transformed for me it's just similar to what a lot of people say when they come back from trips is just being uh refocused on what's important being there for so long um and being separated from family and friends and not having that support system but just seeing these people that we would say have so little um, I mean, they live in mud dung huts and they shepherd their entire life just to provide for their families. Um, but they're some of the happiest people that I've ever met in my life and some of the most grateful people and some of the most generous. They would give you anything they had if you just said that you needed it or if you wanted it, they would give it to you in a heartbeat. So just being refocused on what's important and just that um, that love for family and friends and things like that. Whenever we got back, I was just excited to to have my family back and to be able to just do things for them. Like I went to my mom and I was like, do you have yard work that needs to be done? Because I would love to do some yard work right now. Just to like, I just want to give back to my family because they don't know how much they meant to me while I was gone. So I came back trying to just show them. But I think that was the biggest thing for me. Um, For me too, it was um, coming um, like here, everything is so fast-paced and so crammed full of everything and um, my devotions emulated that and so I would rush through the Bible as fast as I could and um, and there's not anything wrong with that but I wasn't getting as much out of it as I should have been um, so being in Kenya everything is so still and and quiet and you just have time and um, you, I would do my devotions while looking out at like the mountainside and you would see just the giraffes and the zebras and, and the birds and everything. And sometimes when it wasn't super hot, the wind would blow the trees a little bit. And just seeing that and, and just breathing 
that in and who God is in and taking the time to be still and to be quiet and to listen. And um, my devotions started emulating that. And so I started reading the Bible incredibly slowly. But every time I would get another verse in, I'd be like, oh, and I'd get so much out of it that I didn't want to continue because I wanted to keep with just that small section. And um, I think that was one thing that impacted me a lot. And seeing the star, the, the stars at nighttime, just going out there and sitting there and just looking and being, oh, God, like, you did this. It's so amazing. And seeing, like, every... You can close your eyes and open them again. You'll see a shooting star. Like, that's just, it's just crazy yeah. to be there, yeah. So, you're back here. You are coming back into the American culture. And so, you've had this time. You now look outside and see uh, Orion's Belt, the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, <laughs> and a few more stars because we had light pollution. Um, you are in this fast-paced culture where everything is go, 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 and time maximization means that you do everything you can in a certain period. How are you incorporating that stillness? Because I believe it's so important, and it's something that we don't do, and I think it's something we need to do. How are you incorporating that into here? It's definitely harder here to do that. But I think, I mean, Christ calls us to have a Sabbath. Like, he wants us to rest. He wants us to have that. And um, for me, it's setting aside time and not letting anything come. Like, if something unexpected comes, I'm still not going in my time. I'm going to let something else, you know, um, take the hit or whatever you want to say, but the time with Christ is going to stay the same. And I'm going to have that time, not just to read the Bible and all that stuff, but just to sit and to um, just um, be quiet and to, to recoup myself. Because I think if you are so fast paced that you don't have time for yourself, then you're not going to be functioning at the level that you need to be at to um, um, really pour into others' lives, let alone your, like, if you're not pouring into yourself, you're not pouring into anyone else. No matter how much you want to think you are, you, you just can't because you don't have anything left to pour into someone else. Um, so setting aside that time, and I think once you do that, priorities and everything kind of line up after that. So if you start with the time that you don't sacrifice, mm -hmm. then after that and being with Christ, then you realize what you need to do versus not do, what you need to let go, what you want to do more of, what you want to be intentional about, the people you want to um, see, and then... Um, go from there. But it also is a learning to say no, because there are going to be people coming at you from everywhere asking you to do things. And it's not a problem to say yes, 
um, to like certain things and, and um, to help people out, but you can't physically do everything that people are asking you to do. You have to pick the things that are most important and you have to be okay with saying no. Yeah. So here, what I get out of this is I just get this picture of like there's oftentimes in our lives we have two charts, right? We have life and then we have spiritual life. And, like, we treat them as two separate, right? And so we can work on this, but it doesn't go with this. And I feel what you're saying is that there needs to be this merger of these charts, that there's these, this priority time. It's a non-negotiable. This is the way it's going to be. It's not to be religious. It's to be found in the presence of God, right? And those two have to come together and, and overlap and intersect, and priorities have to change in order for that to happen. Yeah. And so, and it's a challenge, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, every day. So that's cool. Yeah. So moving forward, this is the last question. Um, what's, what's up? What does the immediate future look like for you guys? And what's going on with that? Um, well, right now we're getting adjusted back into just being home and with family and things like that. But as of right now, we don't have any um, commitments for international missions or anything like that. We're just getting used to being home. Um, but we're really just open to whatever God has planned for us, um, whether or not that be long-term missions or staying here and supporting missionaries or anything like that. We're kind of just playing it by ear and going to see what what God wants us to do. But we're just getting jobs and getting settled in right now. Are you going back into yes. nursing? Uh, I'll be going back to Winter Haven Hospital, and Julie's looking around deciding what she wants to do. And we're just going to, yeah, go back to nursing and kind of get back in, in the groove of things. Um, but we definitely don't want to just go back to the same exact thing we were doing before, just in regards to our mindset and things like that. We don't want to come back from the trip and it'd be like it never happened. So we're trying to find the balance there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So we're going to end today with um, you guys are going to pray for us as a as a church body, um, you know, just that we would respond uh, individually and together to what God is calling us to. And so if you do that, and then I'm going to pray for you guys. Uh, like we said, first serve, it's not, it's not a blessing for you guys because, hey, you did this, pat on the back. It's like, you know, just want to see God continue this because I think it's so important that we get this picture that it doesn't just end, right? The nine months is up, and now, you know, we're just going to roll back into what we were going to do, but we're going to do what God's calling us to do here. And that can be nursing and mm -hmm. careers and, you know, buying a home and all this stuff, but we want to do what God is calling us to do. And so if you guys would pray for us, um, you guys just stand with us. Uh, that'd be cool. Yeah, thank you. God, I want to pray for every single person in this room that you um, would open up our hearts to, um, to you, that we would align ourselves with you, that we would, um, our hearts' desires and your hearts' desires would align and that we would realize the importance, the things that are the most important to us and, and let some of the... Um, extras fall away and that we would um, make time um, to, to be quiet and to be still with you and that we would um, just be able to, to, to sit still and listen and to um, 
just have a Sabbath and to um, just uh, grow in you and and to to listen to you. God, I pray that um, you would speak to us, that you would um, tell us what you you want us to do, that you would um, guide us um, and and give us those desires and, and let let things just fall into place for the things that you want us to do um, and that we would be open and willing and ready and just say yes to, to whatever you want us to do and that we would continue to pray that, you know, our future is yours no matter what. If we have to give up some stuff, if we have to change around what we're doing, but our future is yours and, and um, we love you. And in your name we pray. Amen. Thank God. I just want to... Bless Travis and Julie, God, I thank you for um, your voice that, that called them to this, and we thank you that you did a work in them, you did a work in people around them, um, God, and that you continue to make them more like you, and so I just pray that as they move forward, God, that they would, they would continue to rely on you, they would continue to seek out the things that you're desiring uh, for their lives. I thank you that you're writing a story. And I uh, thank you that, that Travis and Julie don't have to write the story. You're writing it. And I pray that they would just uh, submit to the story that you're writing for them and that they would follow after you with, uh, with all that they are for all of their days. And I just thank you, God. I bless their marriage. I bless their home, God. And I pray that you would just do uh, the things that only you can do. In Jesus' name.